What's going on, everybody? This is the Feed to Embiid, and I am your host, Austin Krell. So, Jimmy Butler makes his debut last night, the 14th of November. That would be a Wednesday for those who are not quite good with dates. In Orlando versus the Magic, he had his press conference on Tuesday. It was very, I would say, unprepared due to how quick the turnaround was. Like, he came in, didn't even have a suit, um, which is, you know, I'm not bashing him. It's, not, it's no fault of his. It's just that's the nature of, of this transaction that it was just, it happened so fast and so and sort of on difficult terms for for the players involved that he had no time to really gather himself. Then he was immediately whisked from the practice facility in Camden to Orlando, where he met his teammates, had a team dinner, engaged with Embiid and Simmons, and got to know his teammates. And then he had a shoot-around the next morning at a local Orlando high school because they don't have an adequate practice facility which is somewhat shocking for an NBA franchise, I I think so at least. But he made his debut last night. The Sixers, I thought, were playing with the Magic for a good portion of the game. They were up three at the end of one, down one at halftime, up uh, by 11 going into the fourth quarter, and they led it by as many as 16 in that fourth quarter. And if you can tell, And if you can't tell by the tone of my voice... They succumbed to their old habits of failing to execute down the stretch of a close game, failing to close out an opponent, and sort of losing that steam and that energy late in the game. Magic came soaring back, made a large run. They were down by 16 with a good amount of time left in the game. Went on a 21 nothing run and took a four-point lead, or a three-point lead. Um, the Sixers battle they didn't give up they led by i think as many as four late in the fourth quarter but then courtesy of courtesy of terrence ross who hit three big three significant jumpers down the stretch of the game two were for three one was a long two but he hit he hit a dagger from the top of the arc after coming back over a screen that he had originally gone over. So the screen was, the, was to the right side. He went over the screen and then came back left when he realized that they were going to sort of converge on both sides. And he kind of came back around the screen and went behind the man who was screening for him and shot a pretty deep three, nailed it. The Sixers responded with a play out of bounds. Redick got a good look for a three that would have tied the game and it went in. However, he stepped on the sideline out of bounds, turnover, a veteran committing a brutal mistake towards the end of the game. Magic make two free throws, and that was your ball game. So the Sixers blew another 16-point lead en route to a, a, to a really, a, quite frankly, a, a brutal loss and an unacceptable loss for, for them in J- Jimmy Butler's debut. We're going to go down the list. So Wilson Chandler... 23 minutes, and I think that's noteworthy because before 
the game, at least the day in advance, they stated that he would not be on a minutes restriction. But then, lo and behold, he really was on a minutes restriction. 14 points in those 23 minutes. He produced pretty well. Um, took 10 shots. Two threes made. He did take control in his, you know, sort of as much as a role player can take control. He made a couple of threes down the stretch. He converted a, a, a very impressive reverse dunk driving baseline for a guy his age with his injury, with his injury history. Uh, he, so he showcased some explosion there. Embiid had 19 points in 36 minutes, took 20 shots. So obviously not efficient at all. Made four threes in seven attempts, three or four from the free throw line. He did have his first Chris triple-double, 13 rebounds, 10 assists with two blocks. Ben Simmons, 31 minutes. He had nine points on five shots, um, three rebounds, six assists, one block, only one turnover, which is really good to see for him. He had been struggling with turnovers a lot recently. J.J. Redick in his first game in the starting lineup for this season. Now that Jimmy Butler is here, the lineup's been reshuffled, so that's Ben Simmons at the point, Redick at the at the two, Jimmy Butler at the three, Chandler at the four, and beat at the five. Redick seemed to be seemed to fi- seemed to have fi- found the remedy for uh, for his shooting blues of late. He had twenty two points on thirteen shots, four threes, six assists, four rebounds, but did have four turnovers, including the one the last one of the game that essentially put the nail in the coffin for the Sixers. His shot would have would have would have tied the game, um, but he stepped out of bounds. And he's got to be better than that because you got to, as a veteran in this league and as a guy who's being trusted to to execute down the stretch of a close game, he's got to have the awareness to know where the sideline is. I get it, you're in a tight spot in the corner, but you got to have the awareness that take your time, you have eight seconds to make a play, and just get yourself out of the corner and don't step out of bounds. That's the one thing you got to do is don't, don't step out of bounds. Jimmy Butler, 33 minutes, 14 points for him. Uh, on 12 shots, four rebounds, two assists, two turnovers, three fouls. The starters dominated the minutes in this game as they typically should, but it was much more um, sort of starters favored. Not only, no one on the bench played more than 26 minutes. Mescala was that player. Two, five points on two of six shooting in the 26 minutes. Um, five rebounds, two assists, two turnovers, four fouls. Amir Johnson... I'm of the belief that they are trying to cycle out of the rotation as quickly as possible because he's committing a ton of turnovers, a lot of fouls, and limited playing time. So he's not producing for them at all, and he's hurting them when he's on the floor. Zero points in six minutes, one rebound, two assists, one turnover. Landry Shamit, seven points on seven shots. Um, one made three in his 15 minutes. So just about average. Whatever he can get as, as a late first-round pick on a contending team, whatever he can give you off the bench. In terms of scoring and shooting, you'll, you'll accept. Markel Fultz responded fairly well, I thought, to his demotion to the bench. 21 minutes for him, 8 points on 4 of 6 shooting. Did make two normal-looking jump shots. I believe there were, maybe might have been three, I think it was two, um, from the mid-range. This was the game after which, in the Miami game on Monday, he had a double-clutch free throw, which caused major concerns and people believe were had he had regressed completely and this was also in the wake of the news that he and Drew Hanlon had split up. Um but I thought that his jumper looked very normal. Um but I think it's obvious that he has a long way to go if he's ever gonna be 
what we hope he can be. Furkan Korkmaz seems to have found himself a spot in the, in the rotation, at least temporarily. Eight points in 15 minutes for him. Two made threes, seven shots taken. Three rebounds, one assist, one steal. No turnovers, no fouls. So actually pretty good production for him, a plus five in his 15 minutes. I think they'll look to keep him in the rotation, if not to increase his trade, if not to, uh, if not to, and if if not that it's not because they're impressed by what he's produced, then just to increase his trade value so they can get him, they they can send him to t- so a team that can give us a more veteran shooter in return. Um, Jonah Bolden, T.J. McConnell, and Demetrius Jackson were both DNP coaches' decisions, but. Um, it's just disappointing to see that they're making the same mistakes they usually make, especially when it comes to the execution late down the stretch. I mean, this is a problem that plagued them last year. And in my season opening predictions, or my uh, in my preseason predictions for them, I projected them to have a record of 57 and 25. Um, and I've attributed that in large part to my thinking that with another year of experience, another year of meshing together with, with with in terms of the core having been present last year, I felt that they would now have the tools both physically, skill-wise, and mentally to close out those those games down the stretch and not blow leads. Clearly, they have not gotten over that as um, they lost the game to, to Detroit. They almost coughed up games to, to, to Detroit at home and, and, and the Clippers. Let me rephrase that. There were two Detroit games, one on the road, one at home. They led by double digits in both. The first one they lost on the road, one at home they they won, but they, it was in back-to-back games against the Clippers and the Pistons that they blew leads. Um, to, last night against the Magic, they were up by 16 and blew it. The Hornets last week before the trade went down, they were up 24 and they showed by as many as five in the fourth quarter. Um, if not for Embiid's heroics, they would have lost that game. So there continues this trend from last year of blowing leads, which is worrisome because it means that the players haven't learned to develop that, and also means that Brett Brown is missing something, and he's falling short somewhere. In this game, I believe that it was, a t- and this is a common theme for Brett Brown, when they blow leads is that he waits too long to call a timeout. And I think his theory behind that is let them figure it out themselves. They're men. They have to go. They have to go execute in the court and talk amongst themselves. I can't hold their hands, which is, which is okay at times, but there's also a point where you got to throw it out, you got to throw that out the window and think my job is to win games, not to not, you know, you got to have to put that desire to develop players aside for a moment and put the priority of winning games ahead of that, because at this stage in the, in the at this stage in in what I call the result, because the process is over, as I stated in my last podcast. In this stage, you cannot sacrifice wins for the sake of development. So last night, a twenty-one nothing run by Orlando, I probably would have called a called a timeout eight points into that run. They cut it. They 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 cut it to eight. Call timeout. Talk it over. Make adjustments. See what's going on out there. Reset things. Um. So I do blame that on Brett Brown, but I will say this. I will give him credit. He is consistent 
in doing that. It isn't like some games he uses them well, other games he doesn't. At least he's consistent in his philosophy, and I have to respect that. If that's the one thing that he doesn't do well, I can live with that. But this team now is respecting to win, is expecting to win games. Last year was a little taste, a little preview to wet the fans' beaks. Clearly, they came up a little short of expectations, but Boston also showed the flaws in the team, and they and they showed and they exploited them dramatically. So we also have, so we, in the midst of that tremendous success at the end, we also had to temper our expectations once we realized how they stood relative to another competitor. Um, but now that you have a big three, and now that a pretty impatient player in Jimmy Butler is here, Brett Brown has to be more proactive and be more aggressive in his coaching and calling timeouts. Um, so I do attribute that to him. And another thing I do attribute to him, which I can't tell if it's his coaching or if it's Embiid's shot selection and the fact that Brett Brown can't control what Embiid does on the court, Embiid should not be taking long jumpers late in a game. Clearly he was not having a great shooting night from the field. And what does he do? He goes out and he shoots, I think, one or two threes late in the game to try to, to try to take the lead or tie it. And so that's not what you want out of your seven foot two monstrous big man who no one can, can contain this, this, this year seemingly. Brett Brown should demand that he backs himself down into the paint and gets fouled or creates an easy look at the rim. If not that, then at least suck it in, suck it in a double team and find a shooter open. Somebody who is, who is versed in making long distance shots. I don't. I don't approve of Embiid taking threes early in the shot clock down the stretch of a close game. So I attribute that partially to Brett Brown. I attribute that to partially to Embiid thinking that he's a superhero, which he is in some respects. But you have to execute better down the stretch. Part of being a hero is 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 being smart in your execution. Um, but other than than those things, I I think that fans as a whole, and this really bothers me. Fan as a whole need to give this team a damn chance to to get it together. When you look at how long it took Miami's big three in the 2010-11 season when they first formed, you might realize that not only did they lose their first game to a much older Boston team, but a team with LeBron James, Wayne Wade, and Chris Bosh, three of the top four, 20 to 15 players in the league, they started out 8-7. and seven. They won 8 of their first 15 games. The point is that it takes a lot of time to gel when you have new players on a roster. They subtracted two of their huge contributors and got one all-star back. They have too much talent for this thing not to work. Embiid is an MVP candidate. Jimmy Butler is a top 15 player in the league. Ben Simmons is a top 20 player in the league. They, you need to give them a chance to figure it out and to develop that chemistry. And for Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler to learn a playbook, I think it's miraculous that the Sixers actually had a chance to win the game with the fact that four, that one of their five starters did not know the playbook at all. And they ran a vanilla offense all game, just motion. There was no plays run. It was just motion offense, using your IQ to get yourself open and score. They should have beaten that Atlanta team. The Atlanta team is, is improved, but they're not quite good enough to contend with the Sixers, but Jimmy Butler had really did not know the playbook at all. He had zero chemistry with the team coming into the game. 
So you need to give them a chance to figure it out, to have practices together, to, 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 to spend time with each other, to develop that chemistry and that friendship. It's going to work. It's, it has to work. There's no, way, there's no way that this roster does not work. You have three of the top 20 players in the league, and they're all, and none of them are, are, are age 30 yet. They're not old. They're athletic. They're young. They're too good to not to, for this to fail because of on because of something that happens on the court. It might fail because of because Jimmy Butler proves that he can't fit anywhere, but I think he's going to be on better behavior because he knows that this is strike three. He's struck out with the Bulls, struck out with the with, with, with the Timberwolves, and he strikes out with the with the Sixers. He's not going to get the money that he wants in free agency this summer. So I think that he's going to make some some attitude changements, but. Yes, you need more out of Ben Simmons. Nine points, six assists, three rebounds for your 6'10 point guard, who is the number one overall pick, is not good enough. I don't. There's no way to slice that other than that. He needs to be better than that. Five shots is not enough. He needs to take over down the stretch of a game. He needs to command an offense and get himself a look. Either they run V cuts and he just and he and he and he just and he just slips to the basket. He can get himself dunks. He's athletic enough. But you need to give him a chance. You need to give this whole team a chance to mesh. They were trying to acquiesce Jimmy Butler by getting him looks last night to get him comfortable. They're trying to get trying. They're compromising their offense to get Jimmy to get Jimmy comfortable. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but it's what do you expect when you tr- when you make a, a trade for a significant player this early in the season, who has never been around these guys, never seen the playbook before, has never interacted with the coach before. It's not fair to cast this as a failure or to say that it's going to be a failure or to try to project the success of this big three after one single game. You need to give, you need to give Ben Simmons a chance to work on his game further. Do you know how old I am? I'm 22 years old. In most professions and career lines and in life, I'm regarded as a baby compared to most adults. Ben Simmons is a day younger than me. That makes him a baby too. Yes, he 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 was messing around. He was fucking around all all, all summer in L.A. with uh, the Kardashians, and he was you know he was living his life, and he was living quite frankly the exact same life that any of us would live at his age. When you have all that money, and you have a whole summer to do nothing, no job, all you have to do is is work out. You're gonna go to L.A. and you're gonna be amongst the stars. I don't I. I, I hold him responsible for, for not coming back with, with at least a, a semblance of a jump shot or improving. But at the same time, I know that if, I were, that, that if it were me, I'd be doing it too. I know it's his profession. Everyone loves to tell me that Ben Simmons is a professional player getting played millions to play, play a game. He needs to have a jump shot. I get it. But he's still very young. He's immature. He, this is a mistake he'll learn from. If he when he gets exposed this year and he's and he and he falls up short and he's embarrassed, he will go to L.A. or wherever he goes this summer, and I am sure I'm pretty I'm very hopeful and I and I would think he would work on his game. But you cannot cast him off. You cannot say I'm going to try. You know, let's trade him now. Let's start Fultz and trade him now. Fultz can't shoot either. Fultz is not half the player that Ben Simmons is. You're not going to get Kevin Durant from Golden State. For Ben Simmons, what do you want, Devin Booker from Phoenix? Devin Booker doesn't play near the defense that Ben Simmons plays. Ben Simmons has tremendous chemistry with Embiid, and I don't believe in in that bullshit about how 
Embiid and Simmons don't, don't, aren't friends off the court. Clay Thompson and Steph Curry are not the best of friends. They don't hang out. Clay is not Steph's uh, daughter's godfather. But they do gel together on the court well. And there's no documented problems off the court. So does that mean they're not friends? No. It just means that they're different people. And Ben Simmons and Embiid are the same way. There is no specu- There's no evidence in the slightest that Embiid and Simmons are not, at the very least, livable teammates. Meaning that just because they're not best of friends does not mean that they're not getting along. Embiid's very extroverted. Ben Simmons is very quiet and introverted. That doesn't mean that they don't have tremendous chemistry. That doesn't mean that they don't love playing with each other. Yes, this is Embiid's team. But to say that Ben Simmons can never is a bust or he's not good enough or that that they need to trade him because he doesn't have a jump shot after his first summer of playing basketball, after his first summer following his first season in the NBA, his first NBA offseason, because he didn't work enough because he was living his life and doing what kids do, that's bullshit. That's not fair. He needs to have a chance to make up for his mistakes, learn from his from his shortcomings. That's part of this job. It's part of life is learning from your mistakes. And if he clearly underperforms this summer or this year, he'll go into the gym this summer and I'm sure he'll work on his game and develop a jump shot. If not... Because he doesn't want to, if not, if not because he doesn't want to be good, then definitely because he'll want to get that next contract and and make max money and be be um, you know have thousands of suitors. So, I think if you believe that Ben Simmons is not adequate or needs to be traded or doesn't fit long term, I think you need to question your fandom and your basketball knowledge because that is. Not fair. And if the game had been won, no one would have said anything about Ben Simmons. You would have, you would you would have acknowledged that he doesn't have a jump shot, but you would have moved on from it and said, "Ah, eh, well, it's okay." You cannot let the outcome of the game dictate your opinion on the player. That's when you know that you don't know what you think you know about the game. If the if if a win would have made you think that Ben Simmons was fine. But a law said you think that he needs to be traded? You take a look in the mirror and question yourself. If you think that Markel Fultz is a bust because he simply could never shoot the ball, you're just factually incorrect. He averaged 23 points a game in college at Washington. He had, the, he had one of the smoothest strokes I have ever seen in college. Whatever's happening now with him, obviously some of it's mental, some of it's physical, I think. But clearly something is not right with him. A bust, has just, a bust doesn't just come out and forget how to shoot and have to rebuild his shot. It looks nothing like his old shot. It doesn't happen. Busts just don't perform. You'd hope they would perform. I think that this kid... If he were right, whether it be physically or mentally, and he got back to where he was in college, it'd be a much different story. 
obviously I think that there's something between the ears happening with anxiety or what have you that's causing him to double clutch free throws. But I also think that there's an, a complex injury in his body somewhere that has been misdiagnosed. There's just simply no way that a, you know, Evan Turner was a bust. But it wasn't like his jumper never his jumper just fell apart. It was that his his jumper never developed. Markel Fultz mechanically, his jumper has changed. Busts don't do that. So you need to take a long look at Markel Fultz and understand that he's not a fraud. This isn't his fault. He's stuck in a very difficult situation right now, and you got to feel bad for him. It's not funny. You need to understand that what's going on right now is purely a, a health thing, both physically and mentally, I believe. Going back to Coach Brett Brown, it is completely unfair that we want to ca- that fans want to cast him off as soon as as he finally, after five years of absolute shit, after five years of garbage on his roster and having to deal with no consistent players on the roster, a, a revolving door of G League players coming up and down and blowout loss after blowout loss, he's finally been blessed with a franchise center, potentially a superstar point guard and just got a third piece of the puzzle with us an all-star shooting guard. It is absolutely ignorant, negligent and unfair to try to relieve Brett Brown of his duties at this moment. Now, going forward for the rest of the year, for the next 66 games of this season, Brett Brown has to prove to us that his old mistakes and habits were a product of him not having an adequate roster to work with. Last year, he managed to get the most out of his players because people didn't know what to expect out of the Embiid-Simmons tandem. So... They were largely unscouted, and they won games because teams didn't know how to guard them. Brett Brown took a rookie Ben Simmons without a, who had no who didn't have a jump shot, and an Embiid who, by the way, his health had him had Brett Brown handcuffed because he had to balance keeping Embiid healthy and rested while also winning games. They had a twenty-four win improvement. 24 win improvement. And Embiid's rookie season, after winning 10 games of 2015 16, just having Embiid, a rookie, they won 18 more games than they did the previous year. Only in the last two years, up till now, has Brett Brown finally been given the tools with which he can win. Do you fire a contractor before you give them the proper tools that they need to build your house? Or do you give them the tools that they need and the equipment and the supplies they need to put your house together?
you need to give Brett Brown a chance to work with the tools that he's been given to show that he is or is not good. If they if they bought him out in the first round or they or they get or they get their brains beaten in in a second round series again, then I have questions about Brett Brown and his job. In a league where you need to have, in this current era of basketball, you see the Miami Heat before um, when, the, when the process era began. Um, Golden State Warriors now, and um, yeah, those are the two best examples that there are. Um, I guess the Cavaliers before LeBron left with Kevin Love and Kyrie. If you haven't noticed, big threes win championships now. And by the way, no one ever really knows how good their coaches are because they can sit back and relax because they have three of the best players in the world on their roster. Coach Spo, having made the playoffs without LeBron and Chris Bosh, has shown that he's a good coach. Teron Liu, people vouch for him. Steve Kerr has the has three of the top, no, two of the top five best players in the world right now. No one knows if he's actually a good coach. You need to give Brett Brown a chance to implement an offense and showcase his full book of moves that he's been hiding for five years, you need to give him a chance to display that. Because yesterday was the first game in his entire head coaching career of the Sixers that he has had a full belt of tools to work with. And now he can build the house. To put him through the shit that they put him through with 19-win seasons, 17-win seasons, 10-win seasons, 28-win season. To put him through those crap years and then as soon as you finally get all the pieces let him go, that is evil and fraudulent. He's an, outst- he's, he's an, he's an upstanding citizen. He is humble. He's always available for media. He's responsive, and his players love him. That should tell you everything you need. Jimmy Butler last night said he said that he is a special coach, and when and when everything is down pat and the playbook is 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 understood and the chemistry is there, Brett Brown's going to show how good his te- how good this team is. His players adore him. Why on earth would anyone believe that it is time for Brett Brown to get fired? Now he has the full bag of tricks. Now it's up to him to show that he's for real. First three years didn't count. Those players in those rosters, none of them are still with the team. Brett Brown only started coaching legitimately 
last year. You can say, oh, well, you know, they've been, you know, he's been in the organization for five years. He only had any semblance of a competitive roster to work with last year. And what did he do? He won 52 games out of the gate. You need to give him a chance. You need to act like his job isn't lost, but that it's his job to lose. You want to say, well, he's never developed anybody. Well, and then, you, you know, look at Nerlens Noel and Jaleel Okafer and Timotei Luau-Cabarro and um, Nick Stauskas and whoever else, uh, Mel Carter-Williams. I got a question for you. Where did those guys go after their career the Sixers came to an end? Okafer is fighting to stay in the league. Can't even find a spot on a roster. Just barely. Nerlens Noel couldn't get playing time on the lottery-bound Dallas Mavericks. Michael Carter-Williams has career averages below 10 points, I think, and below 40% from the field shooting. He barely got minutes on a Charlotte Bobcats team that literally had no offense last year. Timothy Lowe Cabarro just got his option declined by an Oklahoma City Thunder team that is in desperate need of a bench. Nick Stauskas couldn't could barely get playing time on the Brooklyn Nets last year. It isn't that Brett Brown can't develop guys. He developed the hell out of Robert Covington. Covington should never have been the player that he was, and he wouldn't be if it weren't for Brett Brown. Dario Sharks, you can argue, was was pretty much ready to go from, from, the, from the get-go. But he helped Dario improve along the way. There's no question about it. So don't tell me that Brett Brown hasn't developed anybody. Just because you haven't seen it, because you don't understand basketball the way that I do, the way that other professionals do, does not mean that that's the way it is. The fact of the matter is that those guys simply came up short in their career trajectories. Okafer, bust. Carl Williams won Rookie of the Year, bust ever since. Noel, Guarded the best center in the league and his in the best center in his draft, bust. Stauskas, bust. Luwalu was supposed to be a nice uh, three and D guy as a late first round pick. Not a lot of three, and very little D. We're seeing going forward what Brett Brown is capable of now that he has a whole belt of tools to work with. Now we're going to see if he can build that mansion. Before we, before I, I sign off for tonight, a couple of quick words from our sponsors.
Do you like shotgunning beer? Do you want to increase your shotgunning time at parties? Go check out our boys at the King Cobra. The King Cobra is a shotgunning tool that makes the perfect shotgunning hole in under a second. It is also a bottle opener, tab puller, vent puncher, and all fits on a keychain. Check them out on Instagram at the King Cobra Co. That's the King Cobra Co. Cobra with a K. For a 10% discount on all Cobra products, enter the code TRUSTACOBRA10, all caps, all one word. Pick up yours today. The feed to Embiid and its name is protected by U.S. copyright laws. Reproduction and distribution of the presentation without written permission of the sponsor is prohibited. Copyright the feed to Embiid 2018. Jimmy Butler and the Sixers. Jimmy Butler makes his Sixers debut tomorrow night against the Utah Jazz at home. Sorry, let me rephrase that. He makes his home debut for the Sixers tomorrow night against the Utah Jazz. Sixers come into the game as a three-point favorite, looking to move forward in their home um, winning streak. Now 7-0, and looking to go to 8-0 and at home and remain undefeated. We'll be right here after the game to break it down. Thank you for tuning in and have a lovely night.